As always, before we begin to study the living waters of our inheritance that is in Jesus Christ, the unchanging epigraph of our study of our inheritance is the book of Luke, chapter 24, verse 44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And so that we, as the participants of the body of Christ, would share together with Christ all the things written about him in Scripture, we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the Word of God and with the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart, looking at what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life. This is a calling of every child of God that has been born from God and has entered the family of God. If a child of God does not know this or understand it, then this will not save them from their names being forever blotted out of the book of life. They will lose then their salvation. That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created in accordance to God in true righteousness and holiness, Ephesians 4.22 through 24. Truth contains holiness. You can't separate truth from holiness. Truth is holiness, God's holiness. It stands guard of, of, of holiness. To fulfill this commandment or this commanding order, we have been studying three vital, charging, and fundamental acts that lead us to fulfill our calling to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted we have assured ourselves and are assured in the fact that it is specifically our decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform yourself into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the realization of our salvation come to pass that is given to us in the format of a guarantee or will we lose it, which will then result in our name being forever blotted out of the book of life. And we will remember that the mercy of God is for vessels of mercy, exclusively for, for vessels of mercy. We were singing the song, and there was one verse in there that says, you show mercy to all. Uh, he shows mercy to vessels of mercy. His mercy is for his children, and he shows his mercy uh, to those vessels of mercy, not vessels of wrath. Vessels of wrath are not uh, deserving of mercy, they're deserving of wrath. And so that's, in essence, what it is. People think that God is merciful and that He will somehow show them mercy. He will show you mercy if you're a vessel of, of mercy, not a vessel of wrath. We need to understand that we make ourselves vessels of mercy or vessels of wrath. God doesn't make us that way. We make the choice to either be a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. To be a vessel of mercy means to be obedient to the truth of the Word of God, 
to be a vessel of wrath means to resist the truth and to bring about your own understanding and your own opinions. I disagree. I think it should be this way. In this situation, you're a vessel of wrath. And so the achievement of our salvation depends on whether we are vessels of mercy or not. And it is given to us in the format of a guarantee, our salvation. And if we will not turn the guarantee of our guarantee of salvation to profit, then we'll lose it and our names will then be blotted out of the book of life, although they may have been written there at one time. In a specific format, we've already studied the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind, we begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person that is created in accordance to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth. Relevant to this, we already looked at a series of parables and events. We became familiar with the condition that we need to fulfill in order to, by the name of God El Elyon, or God Most High, destroy the stronghold of death in our body in the form of reigning in its sin, identifying the essence of our old person with his deeds, so that we can forever thrust him out from our body into hell with noise, and afterwards erect the kingdom of heaven, in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to study the next condition. This condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right and power that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition is that in the circumstances of our hardship in life when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God and confess the faith of our heart, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus, what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Christ Jesus. We have noted that this metaphor is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols demonstrating the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David with the name of God Most High and the confrontation with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul and reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. And this is, of course, symbolic to Agag, king of the Amalekites. It is by the means of the confession of the faith of our hearts, stating who God is to us in Christ Jesus and what God has done in Christ Jesus. God receives the required basis or proper grounds he needs to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the reigning in our body sin, who is the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with noise in order to erect the stronghold of a life within us. In character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see an example of the character. This is one of the examples of the character of legitimate prayer that is for kings that rule over their body, priests that are uh, a priest within the temple of their body, and prophet that receives revelations in their heart from God because they have the Urim and the Thummim within their heart, the truth of the elementary teaching and 
the Holy Spirit that reveals this truth. The first part identifies the condition or state of David's heart as a warrior in prayer and our our heart also, the condition of his heart and ours was grounds for the legitimate status of his prayer and this pertains to kings, prophets and priests. The second part reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer that belongs to kings, priests and prophets which gives God the proper basis to deliver David from the hand of all of his enemies and the third part describes the prayer battle itself in an epic format which surpasses the comprehension of the human mind. In a specific format, we already looked at the first part and stopped to look at the second part, which reveals the consistency of legitimate prayer contained in the eight names of God Most High. Why eight names? Because the number eight is the number of the covenant, and there are 50 names in all God's names. In uh, another psalm, he uh, lists ten names, which he then indicates holiness in that situation. Here there's eight, which indicates a covenant. Getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised so he could be saved from his enemies. He fulfilled his part of the covenant and he, for God discovering the truth, revealing the power of his names in the heart of David, provided God the proper grounds he needed to use his abilities to fulfill his part of the covenant that consist in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David. We will remember that all of the names of God are one and one and the other. They are diluted one and the other. And talking about God's names, we will uh, we will see many of God's names while uh, identifying every name. The Lord, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength, in whom I will trust. My shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. Eight names of God where we see the lot, the inherited lot, that God with an oath has promised that we can uh, receive them, enter into them. He gave his only begotten son as he, one who dies, because as the testator, he is the testator. While he's still alive, we cannot receive that inheritance, but the testator has passed away and he resurrected. And we now can use these names of God. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength, in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation. The Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at our inherited lot that is in Christ Jesus in the power of three names of God, the names of God's strength, rock, and the name of God's fortress, and stop to study our inherited lot that it is in Christ Jesus in the name of God deliver we will remember that this nature of prayer where David confesses his lot in the eight existing names of God most high is strate strategic teaching that is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king that rules over their body of priests that are priests within the temple of their body and of prophets that 
rule over their earthly body, receiving revelations for, of the Most High, anointed to rule over their body. And if a person has not accepted the given to him anointing to rule over his calling in the form of his earthly body as a king, a priest, and a prophet, in order to change your body into a heavenly body, then this revelation given for worshiping God in prayer will not benefit him. If a person has not accepted the given to him anointing, then this prayer will not benefit him. It is the calling of every person to transform his carnal body into a heavenly body. Collaborate your faith with God with God's prayer so that God received the proper basis to uh, convert our, our mortal body into a heavenly body, not when we die and resurrect in new bodies, but here on earth, here, presently on earth, because in the bodies you will uh, be transformed, you will, being here alive, you will be transformed, proclaiming the non-existent as existent. Therefore, the quality in Lexus in identifying the name of God deliver as with the previous names of God is not able to be found in any dictionary of the world. And so deliver in Hebrew is the leader or chief of the covenant, redeemer from slavery of sin and death, the savior of the body, one who protects from the wrath of God. And so God, he, in the name of God deliver, protects us from his burning his just wrath, one that reinstates your rights to the inheritance because we were born from the sinful seed of our fathers where the inheritance was lost. We lost our rights to the inheritance in our fathers. And so in order to uh, receive it once again, we need to die for the house of our father. And what happens, and it happens, uh, it happens for the few as, as a pearl that's rarely found in the oceans. It's rare to find a person who would die for their nation, the house of their father, and for the destructive desires. One that places us into safety as his holy possession, preserving our guarantee until the coming of Christ. In the given prayer psalm of David, the name of God deliverer contains the inherited lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom a person can collaborate with the power contained in the name of God deliverer and receive the ability to turn the guarantee of his salvation to profit. This profit is the saving of his soul and adopting his body by the redemption of Christ. Considering such a necessary balance or such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in every aspect of our essence the role of God and the role of man. And for this purpose, as we studied our lot in the previous names of God, called to be the lot of our salvation, we have the necessity to study a series of questions. <clears throat> What characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot in the name of God Deliverer? Second, what role does our inherited lot in the name of God Deliverer play in achieving our salvation? Third, what price do we need to pay in order to provide God the proper grounds he needs to be our Deliverer? And by what results do we examine ourselves that God truly is our Deliverer when it comes to fulfilling our calling? 
Not having clear and comprehensive answers to these questions that we are able to receive exclusively by being instructed in the faith within the strict order in which the body of Christ functions, we will not have the ability to invest our silver in the form of our guarantee of salvation in order to receive it as your own. This means that without strictly obeying the preached word of the person that possesses the authority of a father from God and his helpers, we will not have the ability to receive profit in the form of the fruit of righteousness from the seed of guarantee that we have invested. As it is written, for all of the promises of God in him are yes, in Jesus Christ are yes, and in him amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 That's how God wanted it. Conjoin uh, us to his uh, to himself and he then passed this mandate on Jesus passed his mandate on to his to, to his apostles, to his people, those that are delegated from him. And there are few of them and they are rare on earth. <clears throat> you will not find them on television. They never call them generals. And generals, for the most part, are what they call evangelists because they are uh, they have mega services, a large number of people that are continually convinced that they go and evangelize. They are not grown into full measure of growth in Christ because an evangelist is not given this right. This is given to apostles. They can call themselves apostles, pastors, <clears throat> it's their right. But as they are not called to be that, they in the end of their in the end of their path, their way, they will need to uh, face God on, on this matter and if they don't repent now and begin to turn to pastors who truly have this revelation and would stop writing their own books, writing from one to the other some kind of doctrines that actually are not doctrines at all. <coughs> The doctrine of the devil. Where have you heard that the apostles would study or would preach to the church the doctrine about the devil? Doctrines are truth, the truth about Jesus Christ, not about the devil. In a specific format, we already looked at the essence of the first three questions and stopped to study the, the question four or the fourth question. By what results do we examine ourselves that God truly is our deliverer when it comes to fulfilling our calling? Considering the fact that we already looked at six of the results in the previous service, we will immediately go to the seventh result. This is that... God will not deliver us <clears throat> to the will of our enemies and the Lord will strengthen us on our bed of illness and will sustain us on our sickbed. <clears throat> it's an interesting result we see here. Blessed is he who considers the poor. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. 
the Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. Psalm 41, 1 through 3. An amazing place of scripture. If you paid attention, almost all of the prayers of David contain a goal in the form of a glorious promise belonging to the door of our hope. And in the given prayer, we can find this promise in these words. The Lord will deliver him in time of trouble. And so when you're casting off your old person with his deeds, this is the trouble. Don't think that the trouble is in something else. Our trouble is when we begin to literally remove our skin of the old person from our body. The Lord will preserve him and keep him alive, and he will be blessed on the earth. You will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. The Lord will strengthen him on his bed of illness. You will sustain him on his sickbed. And so the sickbed is given, a bed is given so we communicate with God and not that we suffer upon the bed. The condition giving God the proper grounds to he needs to fulfill his given promise to not deliver us to the will of our enemies, he will strengthen us in our bed of illness and he will sustain us on our sickbed, is to consider the poor. However, before we begin to study what poor it's referring to and how we consider the poor, we at least in short need to identify the signs that will become results of our consideration of the poor. First, trouble or trials that for a temporary time will become our lot. <clears throat> these troubles will be a blessing from God because in these troubles and these trials we cast off the old person. Uh, we determine the days in, in the day in which God will deliver us from trouble, the day when God will return to us our vineyards and the valley of Accor. This is how the Lord will preserve and keep us alive. This is the means that we will receive to be blessed on the earth. The will of what enemies will God not deliver us to and how will the Lord strengthen us on our bed of illness and how will the Lord sustain us on our sickbed? First sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor are the troubles that for a temporary time will become our lot. And as I said in the beginning, the essence of these troubles will consist in the death of his son, Jesus Christ. We shall be put into this death in order to protect us from his wrath. Just as in the Ark of Salvation, God protected Noah from his wrath that was poured out upon the wicked and the lawless men. And he forever separated Noah with these troubles from their presence. With a little wrath I hid my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. In other words, when God, Noah was in the ark, the Lord hid his face from him. For this is like the waters of Noah to me. For as I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be angry with you nor rebuke you. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you. 
We talked about this, that the mercy will not depart only from, ves from vessels of mercy, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, and this is for those who are within that covenant with God and know their role in that covenant, fulfill their role in the covenant in order to give God the proper grounds he needs to fulfill his covenant. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. And so here, we now will see the troubles that Noah had experienced in the ark and that we experience when we're casting off our old person because God puts us into the death of his son and hides us and hid him from his wrath. O you afflicted one, tossed with tempest and not comforted, behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems and lay your foundations with sapphires. I will make your pinnacles of rubies, your gates of crystal, and all your walls of precious stones. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, for you shall not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near you. Isaiah 54, 8 through 14. This promise God was not yet able to fulfill. This will be that day when our mortal bodies will be transformed into heavenly bodies here on earth second sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor is a day when God will deliver us from trouble and such a day for Noah was exiting the ark of salvation which was for him a sign of conjoining the resurrection of Christ imagine for yourself if God would not have let him out from the ark he would have perished there because there there was enough uh, uh, f food nourishment for only a temporary time and God hid his face from him there he did not have a conversation of life with God a fellowship or, or relationship with God he, there was no uh, light in that place it was a surprising uh, a state to be in no one paid attention to how no one his family felt together with the animals inside when all of their feces were remaining where they were there was not uh, as today's ships have uh, they throw out any, any, any waste he needed to uh, bring in uh, water God closed the ark that no uh, not, not one uh, germ would literally enter or be able to enter into the, the ship. Then God spoke to us saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife. Why did he say? Because he remembered about Noah. And your sons and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and cattle and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, so that they may abound on on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons wives with him every animal every creeping thing every bird and whatever creeps on the earth according 
to their families went out from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. The earth is symbol of Christ. I will no long, I will not curse Christ curse Christ for the sake of man. I gave him one time and I will not give him a second time. Because the earth is a symbol of Christ. From the earth, God made man and all that lives from the earth. Everything is from him and through him and to him. I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Genesis 8:15 through 22. Third sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor is that the Lord will preserve and keep us alive on the earth by the means of justification that is demonstrated in the resurrection of Christ who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification, Romans 4.25. And so justification we receive in resurrection. Only when we identify ourselves with the life of Christ in his resurrection. Fourth sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor is that God will make us blessed on the earth. And such blessing is present in eight components. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit are people that have lost the ability to defend themselves and have given that right, that ability to God so that God could protect them. They have become like the Holy Spirit who is not able to defend himself if God will not defend him. To be poor is to lose the ability that you previously had. Experience the connections you may have had when we with our soul, we die with our soul, we lose those abilities and we receive them in a new form. Blessed, uh, this blessing will also will be in mourning. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. It's talking about that mourning that happens when we begin to cast off of ourselves, remove from ourselves this old person. And when we do this, then we will be, for all the wicked and the lawless, uh, we will be ready for their attacks. And we, of course, mourn because of their injustice and our and we want to be f free from them and we want it quickly but it's a process blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth here it's talking about the great ability to restrain your mouth a person who restrains his mouth is a person that already in his body has received the stronghold of life because um, a disciplined mouth, a, a restrained mouth, is the result. His mouth is a throne in his body. This is the greatest throne in his body. Everything that God does, he does by his word. <coughs> Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. 
there they will inherit their the earth they'll inherit their body that is made of 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 soil but here blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled why does god not give theologians who <clears throat> have finished uh, colleges uh, revelations because he will never give it to them because they don't hunger and they don't thirst for it and when God has made the decision to give his revelations he did not intend uh, to give it to theologians uh, magistrates or anybody else who may be uh, in these colleges he gives it to people uh in church, God never had this in his plan. This is a great evil. This is a great evil. I remember one Episcopal, a Pentecostal Episcopal, he came to me in the begin in the start of this service in America, and he told me, Brother Arcadi, I listened to your sermon, and it is amazing. I can't say anything against it, but it's not for these people, he said. You need to be uh, an instructor in, a, in an institute of theology. Can people understand what you say and the depths you're speaking? And I asked him, did you understand? He said, yes. Then I said, why do you then consider that these people don't understand or can't receive it? You were not in a college, I told him. You are far from. And what will I, what I will say uh, later and now, it's something that you think you understood, but you didn't understand it. If you did understand it, you would never have said what you said. These people do understand me and perfectly understand because God gives his revelations to the church and not uh, to institutes of theology and and people who pay uh, a large sum of money, uh, up to $100,000. Sometimes people even pay to uh, be in a college of theology to receive a doctorate in theology. And people get out of there after they're done. I trust these are people that are very skeptical. They uh, they don't even believe really in the existence of God anymore after that. This was a person. There was a person who was a member of our church. Then went to this kind this this institute, a biblical institute. He said, "I believe there was a God. I believe there was justice. But when I finished this institute." I began to doubt whether God was really existing because they did not tell us the truth that it's like this and it can't be different. They told us that this truth has very uh, various uh, points of view or outlooks uh, that you can have for it. You can bring your own version to the table, as it were. And I asked the question, is there a, an exact version, just one? And he smiled. In the Bible, uh, there's no such thing. Everything is uh, in rev uh, relevance. Uh, we can't really identify what's right or what's wrong, is what he said. But here in the church, we identify things clearly. The difference between light and darkness, this is pure and what is impure. This is holy, this is not holy. This is what you should communicate with. This is who you shouldn't communicate with. And this is very important. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Because they are in the church and they shall be filled. God will give to them. Those who go there, they don't hunger. They hunger uh, popularity, glory. They understand that if I finish, I'll have knowledge that these people don't have. 
And one and, uh, gentleman uh, told me, why are you looking at these crowds? And I, I said, what did you just call them? Apologize, these are the children of God. Uh, of, of the, of, why do you uh, speak of them in this kind of way? These false charismatic uh, leaders, this is, how they, this is how they look at the church. And they say, hey, you, and you, and they, they're very vulgar and unpleasant. This is the beloved by God church that they're talking to about. For behaving this way, for being uh, so, di so, so disrespectful in such a manner, uh, these people need to answer before God for such words. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. They are merciful. They show mercy toward those whom God shows mercy. They will never be merciful to the lawless or the wicked. They have a holy love, a selective love, and they show mercy to uh, selectively. They are merciful toward those who repent. And about them, it says they are blessed and they shall be shown mercy. They shall obtain mercy because they are vessels of mercy and they they are considerate of ch the children of God and are merciful to them. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <coughs> I am saddened that we again have become subject to rumors and criticisms, and people don't even understand what they're doing. I repeat, when you pass on bad information and rumors about people. You are not a peacemaker. You cannot be called sons of God. Do not accept. I'll, I'll say it's very easy to me when they tell me something. This, this brother or sister said this about you. It's as if water that rolls off of, uh, of a bird's feather. I love to continue to love this person, and I smile, and I don't hurt from this. I don't have pain, and I don't suffer. You can't uh, hurt me anymore because I'm protected. And many people are still not, and when this rumor uh, is spreading, one person came, comes to me and says, this, uh, this is what was said about me, and I am so hurt. Why people that are so close to me would say such things about me? And when uh, this brother, and when this brother came to the person whom he thought uh, spread the rumor, he asked him, "Why did you spread this rumor?" He said, "I didn't spread it." And he went back to the person who told him, and that person said that he was just joking with him. And so, in Scripture, it says, "Do not pay attention to every word." Go ask your friend if this really is so. Rumors have a supernatural beginning, and many people lose uh, good relationships because it was told to them, something was said to them, they didn't like it, and they begin to distance themselves. They have pain, and they feel cold. They have accepted this sin. Why are you accepting the sin of rumor? Don't accept it. Be a peacemaker. Do not pass it on and do not accept it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 
This is a sign that a person meditates about the poor or considers the poor. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. For specific uh, righteousness, they will throw you out of synagogues from families because you received this. You're no longer my my mother, or my father, or my or my son or daughter because not everyone will receive righteousness. But of theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The scriptures say these eight uh, blessings that Jesus listed here, they are a covenant between God and man. And they are one in the other. It can't be that you can be poor in spirit and not be pure in heart, or be pure in heart and not be a peacemaker. All of these are elements of one whole. They are a sign that you will be blessed on the earth. If you have all of these, then you are blessed on the earth. And so you look and you consider, you, I have all of these, you are blessed on the earth, and I trust all of us have them. I receive it into your heart. Uh, say, Lord, I receive these blessings. I reject these ideas. Oh, if you're being bothered by rumors, uh, go directly to that person that, that may... Uh, uh, and ask them, uh, uh, why was this uh, said? And that person will explain it. Everything will uh, will will make sense. Often people don't don't spread them uh, themselves or are first time hearing that many people want to leave the church because of rumors. And some, being wise, actually manned up and asked the question: Did you say this kind of thing or not? Uh, and this person is first time I hear it. Then go to the person who. Who told uh, who told you and ask them why did you say it and uh, they'll say I intentionally said it so you leave the church this is how some of the wicked did behave um, before they also left fifth sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor is that God will not deliver us to the will of our enemies our enemies the one that God will not deliver us to are the evil thoughts of our human heart which we have inherited from the sinful life of our fathers in the flesh because other enemies will never be able to inflict such pain and harm to us as our own personal thoughts from the heart come evil thoughts from where from the heart it says and when they come we need to understand we need to uh, Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. And so sometimes you'll hear the phrase, oh, I, I'm in the aimless conduct of my own parents. And so they call it different names, but they're sinning. And and so sometimes people don't fully understand words they they uh, they say other words and so we need to understand that this aimless conduct this is a sinful life of, of our fathers that uh, traditionally our fathers behaved these ways they passed it on to us but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God 1 Peter 1 18 through 21 
Послание на Бога, 1 Петра 1, 18, 21. We know that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from sin. It frees us, cleanses, uh, cleanses us from sin that we have inherited from our fathers in the flesh. Many of us, as I in my time, we desired to do sin, but we didn't do it. But we wanted to do it. If I never did it, but wanted it, where's this desire coming from? I never did it before I never tried but I wanted it and why because it lives in you it is passed on to you Paul says I know that nothing good lives in me because when I want to do good I can't do it because I start doing evil instead of doing good and it says if you will not know about this that you were redeemed then you will not be able to be delivered you need to know who God is to you what he's done for you and when you know what he's done how to be delivered from this in the beginning we did this collectively the Heavenly Father in the name of Jesus Christ right now I consciously deny the sinful life of my fathers and receive your uh, genetical code, your life, because God can't put his life into you while there's a different life there. He can't. First you need to remove that and then the other will come. But we, Christ died and there's not just the blood of Christ but also the cross of Christ and if the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin then the cross of Christ, the truth about the cross of Christ separates us from the producer of the sin. The old person, he's the producer of the sin. He is a carrier of the program of lawlessness of the fallen cherubim that is passed on to us from Adam. That is who he is. And if people don't understand that, don't accept that, when I talk about this, they begin to make fun of us. Look, he's acknowledging that he has hell, that something else lives in him, but in you it doesn't live, right? They don't even understand what lives in them, that they are in a hell, that they they feel that they're in a paradise because the old person at this time actually helps them and works together with them and prompts them to evangelize. They use all of their money. They, they go and evangelize in order to work with themselves to fulfill their calling. They are doing what God has not called them to. The sixth sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor, the Lord will strengthen us on our bed of illness, so that our faith in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ would be able to grow. God will allow specific nature of illnesses and trials into our life, where we proclaim that not existent as existent will allow our faith to grow how God will deliver because if we don't have faith we heard we received but we received the seed the seed needs to still be grown and when the seed falls into the soil for the seed this is a time of suffering it's not something that's seen this is not something packed in a bag this is in raw ground and there's nothing around and the seed begins to die and cracks open and die but and when it dies this death gives the program that is within the seed the ability to function to activate to to uh, the program of growth and then life begins to grow god allows at the 
door of our hope that to heal us on our bed of illness, he allows these illnesses so that we being in those illnesses would be able to proclaim that not existent as existent, consider ourselves healthy and thank God that we already healed in Jesus Christ. And then faith grows. You begin to see and you look at this that God has already done it and you wait in perseverance and patience and we need to understand what will happen and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him though he bears along with them I tell you that he will avenge them speedily nevertheless when the son of man comes will he really find faith on the earth Luke 18 7 8 why does he not protect them because he wants when he comes that they have faith that he look into the heart and clearly sees the written promises there of healing of the body and when he comes don't be afraid you won't die if you've received this promise you will and you're holding on to it you won't lose it seventh sign that will become the result of our consideration of the poor is he will sustain us on our sick bed by his life-giving rays of healing coming from the stronghold of light that is erected within our body you understand that uh, a bed, a place to sleep, a place and symbol of our communication with God, and a place of God's rest or God's comfort. God created the bed where a person sleep. Why is sleep given? The third part of our life, a person sleeps. We sleep. And so if, for example, you live 60 years, and 20 years you have slept within uh, the span of your 60 years, and why is this? Why is it necessary? Because sleep is given for a unique communication with God. And your bed always symbolizes when you fall asleep, what are you thinking about? What are you meditating about? And the time, when the time drew near that Israel must die, he called his son Joseph and said to him, Now if I have found favor in your sight, please put your hand under my thigh and deal kindly and truly with me please do not bury me in Egypt but let me lie with my fathers you shall carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burial place and he said I will do as you have said then he said swear to me and he swore to him so Israel bowed himself on the head of the bed Genesis 47 29 through 31 and so the, uh, he bowed himself. Why did he bow himself on the head of his bed? Because this was the place he communicated with God. This is where he received revelations in his sleep. And yes, it's not written there much about that. Uh, Jacob saw this ladder uh, in his dream. This is one of his dreams, but this wasn't the only one. He continuously received. This was the place of his communication. This is where he had a relationship with God. He communicated with God. The book of Daniel is the communication of Daniel with God uh, in his sleep. All of the book of Daniel, all the prophets that wrote their prophecies and visions, these were in their dreams, in their, in their sleep that God would give. It's very important when you fall asleep, why does the sleep need to be pure and undefiled? I mean, married people, your bed needs to be pure 
and undefiled. In other words, if a person looks at a pornography, your bed cannot be pure. Your bed will be defiled. Your bed and everything in your head after you looked at that and then he tries to do all of this with his wife hiding from her all those things of course this is shame this is terrible but a person is bound he wants to be un unbound he believes it and then comes back to it leaves it and comes back to it and it's not just young people and married people do they are not free why because they have not been freed yet from their old person and this is for those whose bed is a place of communication with God in essence in these seven signs identifying our reward for fulfilling the given conditions to consider the poor we see the poor in the form of the chosen by God remnant whom we are called to consider where it says blessed are the poor in spirit whom we are called to consider to think about in order to give God the proper grounds he needs to strengthen us on our bed of illness and sustain us on our sick bed which means turn our bed in to the green of eternal youth let's look how in scripture the Holy Spirit uh, talks about the bed that upon which we rest Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, you're pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our houses are cedar and our rafters of fir. Songs of Solomon 115 through 17. Can you find such a bed where it is of green and that the beams uh, be of cedar and the rafters of fir? In Scripture, we know there is a reward for the fulfillment of any condition that is elevated in rank as a commandment of the Lord. A person looking at this reward is able to fulfill the required commandment, which demands of him the utilization of all of his strength and all of his available to him abilities. Here, when we're talking about a bed of green, this is talking about a new body, not the mortal body, but a body where there's life because it's uh, the color green is a, a color of life. The devil has claimed this color to himself, deceiving uh, the saints, the black color, the green color. Often these colors are present in occult things and uh, the people ha that take part. The black color is holiness, is an identification of holiness, black. The color green is life. We need to understand that a white color is purity. And purity and holiness gives you the right image. Black and white colors, if you don't have any have these, you won't understand anything. You will not be able to understand something that you look at. You, you understand it because you have the ability to uh, put white and black together and when white and black come together you begin to see the form of something when you don't have that you won't be able to see what you need to see Abraham and his wife Sarah looking to the reward were able to fulfill the commandment which consisted of considering the poor look to Abraham your father and to Sarah who bore you for I called him alone and blessed him and increased him for the Lord will comfort Zion he will comfort all her waste places 
He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it. Thanksgiving and the voice of melody, Isaiah 51, 2 through 3. A person who has a part to Zion or is a partaker of Zion will experience this. All of this will be happening within him. Where there was an estate, when it's talking about an estate or a place where there is a land, uh, it's talking about uh, hunger. It says here that Abraham had that hunger. Abraham and Sarah, they had ruins. And he was in sorrow. He proclaimed that not existent as existent. He went out and looked at the stars in order to see his descendants. He would go out and look at the sand grains, but he didn't have any physical children. He was uh, very much of age, and he lost the ability of any normal man. Sarah, being childless, lost the abilities of the woman that her regulars had ended, and how in this position where God says God will comfort all her waste places, sometimes people that are elderly, they, they are unhappy when they hear about themselves as if they are a waste place. Is it not so? Is not our body not wasting away slowly? Do we not see that it's hard for us to turn, stand up, to walk? That's what Abraham and, and Sarah had. But God says he will comfort Zion, he will comfort all her waste places. In what way? Because they were looking, they were meditating about the poor. We will see what who was this poor whom Abraham and Sarah considered in the given allegory, which is why they became young. And Abraham and Sarah became so young that even after the death of Sarah, Abraham was so strong and young that he married again. and still bore more children, sons and daughters. The poor whom Abraham and Sarah considered in the given allegory is Zion, about what it is written, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. John 8, 56. He was waiting for the builder whom is the Lord. He knew he can receive the promise that God had given to him, and only by this city, when he finds the city whose builder is, is the Lord, when he finds his virtuous wife, and God revealed to him the mystery of the church, the mystery of the bride of the Lamb, and Christ said to the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the high priests, Abraham your father rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad to see my Sabbath, my church, my Zion. And so the poor whom Moses considered was also Zion in the reproach of Christ <clears throat> with the nation of God, which allowed him to look to his reward and to see in it the invisible God. By faith Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not hearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Hebrews 11, 24-27 Furthermore, the poor 
in the second miracle that Jesus did, returning from Judea to Galilee, was the healing of the son of one nobleman, about whom his father needed to think about as one that is poor in order to give Jesus the right he needed to heal his son. And for this purpose, the nobleman needed to believe in the words of Jesus and return to Capernaum, thinking about his son, the son that the word of Jesus would heal, the word that he believed. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. You see here, to hear, uh, to to believe is to be established in your faith. You will not be established in your faith if you will not see the signs and wonders. Faith is from hearing the word of God, but it's confirmed by what we see. We need to see the work of God's faith in order to be confirmed in it. What is God doing by the confessions of the faith of the heart for me? Not for somebody else. When you see for somebody else, it doesn't work. Tens of thousands were healed by Christ, and then they were shouting to crucify him. And so such miracles don't help, but the miracles that God does in you, in your spirit, inside of you, this is a very different thing. When a person suddenly becomes free from his old person with his deeds, when what kept him in bondage, in captivity, uh, no longer keeps him, but he himself is now keeping these emotions, this perversion, he's keeping it in captivity. Instead, he's bound him, then this will be a great miracle. A son, when it comes, it talks about a son, this is the fruit of faith. We received the seed, we've grown the fruit, and suddenly the fruit has become sick with a deadly illness. And to confirm our faith, we need to see this. And that's why Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. I already healed him, in other words. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. John 4:46-54. Therefore the son of the nobleman, who in this situation is one that is poor, the one that he needed to consider is to be looked at as the seed of promise grown into the fruit of promise that belongs to the door of our hope look at your son yes he'll become sick but he won't die God will take him out of this illness and change this bed place of, of rest and the promise that you trust in it will happen 
even though it's prolonged, it will happen. If you won't wait for it, it will not happen. If you wait for it, if you will look at it, you will thank God for it. You will meditate about it, think about it, it will happen. According to the revelations of Scripture, the promise that belongs to the door of our hope, Close to, close to the time of its coming to pass, will be near its death, upon the bed of illness. This is until a specified by God time, and before the word of God will raise it from the dead and will sustain it on our sickbed. Just as soon as a person steps away from his calling, which is the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ here on earth, he distances himself from the Lord and wastes away his justification, which he received in the guarantee of his salvation. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry, but it's good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord, God, that I may declare all your works. Psalm 73, 27, 28. A person that considers the poor is a person finding bliss and closeness with God, one who has put his trust in the Lord in order to proclaim all of his works. It is possible to get close to God upon one condition, take his yoke upon yourself, and learn from him a humble heart and the ability to restrain or discipline your mouth. Come to me as all you who are labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew 11:28 through 30 Rest consists of a bed of green, or when our bed shall be of green, God uh, will give you rest. Come down, and it will pass. Pass. Uh, it will pass. It will go. It will go away. God will change your body, and it will become different. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. That is about perishable wealth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Then Christ, who is our life, appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Now, considering that, in a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we've already studied our inherited lot in the Christ, in Christ Jesus, in the power of four names of God, these being strength, rock, fortress, and deliverer, we will now look at our inherited lot in Christ Jesus, in the name of God, rock, in the form of strength in whom we trust. In Hebrew, the definition of the name of God, rock, contains these meanings, a sharp edge of a rock or a cliff, a stone, a stone defense, blood, the shadow of a cliff, victorious, an elephant's tusk, ivory, eternal rule, the promise of imperishable food or nourishment, the comfort of peace. In the given prayer psalm of David, the name of God, Rock, as our strength in whom we trust, contains the lot of the Son of God, in whom and by whom we together, collaborating with the power of the name of God, Rock, are called to receive a victorious ability to keep and increase the proceeds or profits received from investing the silver of salvation we turned to profit which consists in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ and is the element of the promised imperishable food. Considering such a necessary tandem or such a union between God and man, it becomes vital for us to determine in each aspect of our essence the role of God as well as the role of man. 
And for this purpose, studying our lot in the previous names of God called to be the lot of our salvation, we have the necessity to study a series of questions. What are the characteristics and categories identifying our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock, in the form of strength in whom we trust? What purpose does our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock, play when it comes to achieving our salvation? What price do we need to pay in order to give God the proper grounds he needs to be the rock in the form of our strength in whom we trust? And by what results do we determine that God truly is our rock in fulfilling our calling? We need to consider that studying our inherited lot contained in the name of God, Rock, in the form of strength in whom we trust, we will be studying the power of his name independent if we will be studying these the power of this name independent from the faith of our heart and confession of our mouth, then we will immediately be heading in the wrong direction. As God in all of his powerful and unchanging names is the lot of the inheritance only within the boundaries of the spirit, soul, and body of every person that belongs to the category of the chosen by him remnant. And before we receive the right to the power to confess our inherited lot in the name of God, rock in the form of strength in whom we trust, as the element of the faith of our heart, it is necessary to be clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ, whose soil of the heart is prepared to receive the seed of the implanted word, as well as grow the seed in order to reveal the power and the fruit of righteousness demonstrated in justice. And so a person who hungers for the word of God, studies the word of God, lives by this word, abides in this word, and the word abides in him, will be able to stand against the ancient serpent and escape the deceiving nets of the devil and redeem his body by the redemption of Christ. First question, what are the characteristics and categories identifying our inherited lot in the name of God, Rock, in the form of strength in whom we trust? First, the lot in the name of God, Rock, in the heart of a student of Christ is identified as righteousness that rules in the fear of the Lord. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. Then God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spoke to me. The rock of Israel spoke to me. David calls God his rock of Israel. He who rules over men must be just ruling in the fear of God. We can see here that the name of God, the rock of Israel, when it's talking about a rock or a cliff or a mountain in this case also can apply here, the phrase, the Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. We can see that this confession is in the power of the inherited lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel. And that's how we will call it furthermore, not just a rock, but the Rock of Israel. Second, this confession that was being inspired by the Holy Spirit that lives within the heart of David and the status of the Lord and master of his life is the fruit of righteousness that has grown in his spirit that reveals itself in the faith of God that abides in his heart. Third, the fruit of righteousness in the confession of the faith of God that reveals in the heart of David the power of the inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, rules in the heart within 
of a person or David in this situation within the boundaries of the fear of the Lord. The boundaries of the fear of the Lord is identified as the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God in the form of the commandments of God that are the wisdom of God and respond for its justice. The fear of the Lord in fulfilling the commandments of the Lord, identifying the justice of God, reveals the door to the unsearchable inheritance of Christ and in part to the power of the inherited lot in the name of God, the Rock of Israel. Sixth, the inheritance the inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, is focused upon uh, redeeming our body by the redemption of Christ, or the adopting our body by the redemption of Christ and making us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Seventh, this is one of the examples where one component of the inherited lot in the name of God, Rock of Israel, reveals itself in another component of the inherited lot of the name of God, Fear. And when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we need to know, we, we, we studied a little bit before that fear is one of the names of the Lord also. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He has filled Zion <clears throat> with justice and righteousness. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. If a person does not have in his heart the fear of the Lord, which is the fulfiller of all the commandments of the Lord <clears throat> identified as the elementary teaching of Christ and the Holy Spirit that reveals the meaning of the teaching of Christ in every specific commandment he will not be able to be a partaker of the inherited lot rock of Israel and we in a specific format already understand the nature of the fear of the Lord that reveals itself and abides in men who honor God and fear God Considering its uh, presence as with the Rock of Israel, we will be studying its greatness about which we can then conclude or judge that we are part of this rock. Because the Son of God, as the Son of Man, in order to fulfill the will of the Heavenly Father, which was His calling, needed to do something in order to be filled with the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. Isaiah 11.3 We need to immediately note that the fear of the Lord within our heart is one of the qualities that our present and our future literally depends on. Being filled with the fear of the Lord being filled with the fear of the Lord in power and its dynamic is similar to being filled with the Holy Spirit and is not possible without the help of the Holy Spirit. In Hebrew, the phrase to be filled with the fear of the Lord is to be led by the fear of the Lord, be dependent from the fear of the Lord, bind yourself to the fear of the Lord, function within the fear of the Lord, live with the fear of the Lord, rejoice in the fear of the Lord, and worship in the fear of the Lord. In nature, the fear of the Lord is absolutely not similar to the fear of man, because the fear of man lacks a person the ability to think or to perform any kind of just judgment. At the same time, the fear of the Lord gives a person wisdom and the ability to judge and to fulfill God's judgments that God has spoke and wrote in His Word. We know that aside from the fear of God, the fear of man, there's also a fear, a, a demonic fear that exists as well. This is a demonic faith. You believe that there is one God you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble, but do you not 
Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? James 2.19.20 The fear, a uh, demonic fee, uh, fear as demonic faith can uh, attack a person or inspire a person uh, to do things. Now after the three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Revelations 11.11 The fear of the Lord is one of the names and virtues of God that reveals itself within and demonstrates itself in the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel. The fear of the Lord revealing itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, is a treasury in which there are promises, the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. The Lord of hosts, him you shall hallow, let him be your fear and let him be your dread. Isaiah 8.13 Genesis 31:42 Unless the God of my father the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac had been with me he calls uh, not God of Isaac but the fear of Isaac had been with me surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night Genesis 31:42 The Lord uh, defended Jacob because he said if it would not have been with me the God of Abraham and the fear of Isaac if I did not have the lot of my father Abraham He's saying that the lot that Abraham had he has and the fear of Isaac if the name of God is fear that Isaac uh, he, he, he identifies with Isaac, then you would have left me here empty-handed. The fear of the Lord that reveals itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, is God living amongst his nation, keeps himself from kings that battle against them, such powerful enemies that make them, that would make them run. In Psalm 47, 4-7, they saw and they ran as a woman that is in labor. And so God is in its dwellings. God's in his dwellings. The fear of the Lord that reveals itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name Rock of Israel is the beginning of wisdom that gives us the ability to know the Holy God by the means of the mind of Christ. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord revealing itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, has a transcendent whole, uh, purity that is within the judgments of truth. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Psalm 19.9 The fear of the Lord reveals, revealing itself in the heart of man in the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, reveals itself in the ways of the Lord, which are a stability for the upright one and a warning for those who uh, commit lawless works. The way of the Lord is strength for the upright, but destruction will come to the workers of iniquity. Proverbs 10.29 The fear of the Lord, revealing itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, Rock of Israel, is the wellspring of life, called to distance us from the 
uh, nets of death or snares of death. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Proverbs 14.27, from the rock came the water that uh, quenched the thirst of the people. The fear of the Lord re- revealing itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, rock of Israel, is the treasure that is safety of times. Wisdom and knowledge will be the stability of your times and the strength of salvation. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Isaiah 33, 6. The fear of the Lord, revealing itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, rock of Israel, has the revelation that contains righteousness and future judgment. Now, the fear of the Lord, revealing itself in the heart of man within the lot of the name of God, rock of Israel, demonstrates itself in the perfect love of God agape there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment but he who fears has not been made perfect in love 1 John 4.18 the fear of the Lord revealing itself in the heart of man in the lot of the name of God rock of Israel is a demonstration of correction that drives away human fear. The, uh, hu- when talking about human fear, this is a resistance of, of God's faith. This is a disobedience to God's commandments. Considering that our time is up, we will bend our knees and pray, or our heads in prayer, and we will thank God for the words that we were able to receive today. Amen. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I thank you together with your people for the great blessing and your mercy for your vessels of mercy for whom you have created this place have supplied us with this place in order to be in this place and so that the vessels of mercy can worship you and receive your mercy in your wisdom so that they can see their calling, so that they can rejoice about the great reward that you have vowed and promised them and have put upon their account in Jesus Christ. This is the glorious inheritance that is with each one of us upon our account in Jesus Christ. You give us the ability to take from this account those who remain faithful and wait who will continue during trials and illnesses to proclaim that not existent as existent and will thank you and rejoice about what they have in Jesus Christ. And so you, as the God who is unchanging in his words, are vigilant over his words and you will fulfill them in the time that you have decided, not us. And we need to wait But this waiting grows our faith, and in this waiting, in this perseverance, when it seems that there's no help from any side, you grow our faith. When we look 
at the illnesses, but we don't look at them, we look at your healing instead. We thank you that within our spirit, our bed is green, and our roofs are of cedar. You say that the righteous one is like the cedar of Lebanon. We thank you that you have made us this way by your great mercy. We are justified because of the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Because we were submerged into the death of your son. Because of this, we are able to use the fruit of resurrection. May your glory be upon your sons and your daughters. May all illnesses and weaknesses be cursed in their bodies. May the great and bright star rise in their heart. May they see their healing. May they rejoice. And may they understand that this is their calling because you are the savior of the body and your goal is to heal the body that the enemy has stormed into by deception, deceiving Adam and Eve. We, by the second Adam, have pulled out this venom and we thank you for this great victory in our heart in our spirit, in our soul, in our body our great God, Son and Holy Spirit Amen Our Father in Heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in Heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.